telecom is changing our lives. Mo Cadaba, tell us about AT&T Business and tell us about your role as EVP and Chief Marketing Officer. I oversee our product teams, our channel marketing, our pricing, as well as all of our traditional uh, marketing, advertising, branding, events, etc. So, you know, think of that as the PNL of the business and how we do in the market, bringing all the pieces together. Can you give us a sense of the size, scope, scale of AT&T Business? Think of AT&T Business as $37 billion of revenue per year, uh, throwing off about $14 billion of EBITDA. And within the context of the broader AT&T family of companies, we're about 20% of the top line, about 24% of the EBITDA, and a material, con material contributor of uh, ROIC to the bottom line. Uh, we're very proud to be able to be part of AT&T Incorporated, and uh, the company overall is doing amazing things, whether that's in uh, modern media, what we're doing with Warner Media, the way we come to market for our consumer base, as well as the innovative advertising platforms that we're standing up with Xander. I'd like to speak about the coronavirus and the impact on AT&T, the impact on your employees, your customers. What's your take on it right now? It's top of mind for us, our customers, our employees, and um, yeah, I'll I'll describe this to you and our approach to it through four different lenses. So the first one is the network. Um, we're you know, honored to be able to serve so many different consumers and businesses uh, across America and across the world. And first and foremost, we see that our network is holding up extremely well as we're seeing a shift of employees uh, from business locations to working from home. Uh, students are shifting from schools to being at home and trying to do tele-learning, et cetera. And the network, both from a wireline perspective as well as a wireless perspective uh, is doing extremely well, no impacts there. The second one is obviously our employees. And you know every business right now is thinking through how they're gonna protect their employees. Um, and what we announced just literally a few moments ago um, is that we're gonna be asking any employee that can work from home, that can work remote, to start doing that from here for the foreseeable future. And uh, I, I think that's a fantastic move I think we're gonna see more and more businesses leaning in uh, to make sure that they're keeping their employees safe, asking them to work remotely while continuing to drive the business forward. Now, of course, we have a lot of frontline workers. We have people in call centers and who go out every single day uh, into businesses and our customers' homes to do installation repair, as well as retail employees. And for those folks that um, are not able to work from home, they have to come in uh, to continue driving the business. We're following all the CDC and World Health Organization best practices uh, around social distancing, washing your hands on a constant basis, using sanitizing. We're coming in and sanitizing our locations uh, much more regularly, uh, as well as then asking anyone that has any sign of any illness to stay at home and not come into work at all. The third lens is then our businesses, right? So we serve three million businesses around the world today. And as we stepped back and we thought about Corona uh, and the things that we've been articulating here, which is significantly more remote workers, um, a significant number of students, whether it's in schools or universities or other educational institutions are about to be displaced. How could we lean in to help uh, to keep 
the, the country running. And um, we're putting out an offer this afternoon where we're going to be providing 90 days free of our WebEx meetings with AT&T Solution. It's an incredible solution. It allows for hundreds of people concurrently to be doing video um, or audio messaging. It's perfect to allow for telelearning, uh, to keep meetings and collaboration for business employees going. Um, and it's a key way that we're going to be helping businesses stay productive uh, in this time where you know people are going to be scattered in many, many homes uh, around the country. Uh, we're also going to be offering our IPFlex call forwarding feature for free for the next 90 days, where if someone's displaced out of their office, they can route their number from their office to any mobile or wireline uh, device in order to uh, keep that flowing consistently. And then the fourth lens that I'd uh, give to you is the art of marketing, right? So as chief marketing officer, one of the things that's on my mind is a lot of major gatherings, big events are being canceled right now. So Mobile World Congress and South by Southwest, HIMSS are all really large events that have been canceled in recent weeks. And HIMSS is one of the largest healthcare conferences uh, in America. And we were a keynote speaker um, at that particular event. And as we stepped back, we saw that the, um, we were pulling out, the event was being canceled. We said, how can we take this same message out and keep it in front of people. It's a, it's a very relevant message. It's about 5G and edge computing and how it's influencing the healthcare industry. And so within four days, we pivoted from taking our keynote speaker and that, that speech and presenting it virtually online, live streamed it via Twitter and other social, and an incredible learning. We saw that we actually had 9x the reach over social doing this virtually than we would have if we had done it at the actual HIMSS conference. So it, you know, it, it gave us pause to step back and, and say, as we're facing the next months uh, and more and more events that are being canceled, as marketeers, how do we keep our message front and center? And there are other ways, and uh, it's leading us to be more creative around our messaging and our approach. So that's really how we're approaching COVID. How do you manage the fear, the almost panic that so many people experience right now? Well, it really boils down to uh, keeping messaging and collaboration alive. So again, when you think about uh, your employees as well as businesses, it's being there for one another. Um, one of the, as we thought about how are we gonna talk about this, both internally and externally, um, we came up with a sentence that I think really defines where we are as a country, and it's, we're all in this together, right? Everyone is facing the same challenges, the you know, concern around their friends, their family, their employees themselves, and at the end of this, we're all in this together. And that's why it was important to us that one, we lean in with our employees and make sure we're enabling remote working to drive their safety. Uh, and then also, you know, how do we bring solutions to market that will truly help businesses uh, maintain as much of a business as usual momentum as they can and why we're doing what we're doing uh, with WebEx. And then, of course, you know, just from my own team, uh, I'm privileged to, to lead a, an organization of a couple of thousand people. Um, you know, just real human, Collaboration. It's uh, an example. I'm I'm getting a message out to my team this afternoon that talks about okay, we're moving to remote working. 
All right, what does that mean? Um, a lot of you have kids at home, you have other family members or pets, a lot of schools are letting the kids out and they're gonna be at home, we're gonna be trying to work, uh, kids will show up behind you, they'll come in and they'll wanna be part of your meeting and you know, a lot of people are embarrassed to have their kids be part of the conversation or they're, you're telling them, hey, shh, you know, mommy or daddy is working and I'm like, Bring the kids in. Uh, introduce your children and your family members to the, the people that you're collaborating with. And uh, let's get to know one another's families. Uh, a lot of people may not have families. They may be at home. Let's make sure that we're asking each other, how are you doing? What's going on? We have to be there for one another, You know, whether that's as a, as a country um, or as a team or as a business. And we're all in this together. That's how we're going to drive this forward. Let's talk about 5G. What is it? What does it mean to people? Uh, collaboration and enabling new types of applications is certainly a part of that. 5G is the next generation of mobile connectivity. Um, you know, high level, think about you know, 1G enabled mobile calling, 2G enabled um, texting, 3G started to introduce uh, the mobile economy, internet browsing, social, uh, 4G LTE introduced the application ecosystem, the mobilization of workers everywhere, and frankly drove the significant number of advances that we've seen in the last decade um, created the society that we have today. And then 5G really introduces three key capabilities um, above and beyond what 4G does. You know, the first one that I think most people are familiar with is just um, massive speed, like significant increases in speed. Today, most of the mobile carriers across America are in the 20 meg to 40 meg a second range, and 5G holds the promise of one gig and then up to two gig and then from a technical spec in the coming years up to the potential of 10 gig. Uh, the second thing is ultra responsiveness or another way we think about that is you know ultra low latency, how quickly um, uh, the network responds to the next instruction that you give it, whether it's streaming a video, downloading music, getting a web page to load, etc. And with 5G, you get down to essentially um, uh, the network being as responsive as how your mind processes reality. It's just incredibly fast, is essentially instantaneous. And then the third thing is massive connectivity. So, you know, most uh, everybody is familiar with Wi Fi. And when you think about Wi-Fi, you can connect about 250 things per access point. With LTE, that gets into the thousands. And with 5G, it holds the promise of up to a million connected things uh, per geographic area. So you know, a, a way to just kind of bring that to life, I think um, people have experienced is when you go to a venue or a stadium, you may see full bars, but you're not able to load a, a video or you know, text a photo or what have you, and you question, you know, what the heck is going on? And it's really about that simultaneous number of connections. And the massive connectivity of 5G will, you know, coupled with ultra low latency and speed advantages, it's what's truly gonna define this new application ecosystem that's gonna emerge over the course of the next 10 years. And will define the 2020s just like LTE uh, and the application ecosystem defined the last 
last 10 years. So you know, that's what 5G is. Um, and then you know, where you, you know, to your question of you know, where are we with that, um, I tell you uh, we're making tremendous progress. Um, as of today, we have what we call uh, 5G sub-6 or 5G deployed uh, in over 80 markets, over 80 million people across America already covered, and we're on a path to be able to get to nationwide coverage by about mid-year. There's another flavor of 5G called 5G+, and uh, this uses a spectrum that we call millimeter wave, not to get overly complex, but it's truly millimeter wave that's going to enable these incredibly high speeds, this massive connectivity, et cetera, and we have that deployed in 35 cities right now. When you speak about ultra-low latency, that enables an entirely different way of relating to the network and to devices and a whole host of things. And maybe you can elaborate on that for us. When you think about latency and the cloud today, you know, so if you're on your, your smart device and you uh, download a video or a song or what have you, it's really just going out hundreds or thousands of miles to someone else's computer, a piece of compute, to trigger that and then download it or stream it or what have you. And when you think about latency, that takes approximately between about 100 milliseconds and 150, 200 milliseconds on average, which is still a fraction of a second, and for most people that's, you know, feels really, really fast. But when you think about this next generation of experiences that 5G enables, you really need to get that 100 to 200 milliseconds down to sub 20 milliseconds and even sub 10 milliseconds. Um, and, and a great way of thinking about this is using augmented reality or virtual reality uh, as a proxy technology, right? So a lot of times uh, when people will use VR, uh, historically they would talk about getting dizzy and and they didn't like the experience, et cetera. And the reason for that is the latency between the way the image or the video is being generated and the way that your mind is perceiving that image. And any sort of jitteriness throws off our brains, and it's really a function of latency, right? How quickly is that signal, that command happening so then we can perceive it? And if it's virtually indistinguishable from reality, if you're using VR and it looks just like you're standing in front of me, you're talking to me, we're having a real-time conversation, then um, you're not gonna have that, that jittery, that dizziness, et cetera. And so that's a great example of uh, dizziness. Now, let me tell you um, a practical example of this. This is a real story. A few months ago, um, it was a very cool experience. I got to be part of the first hologrammatic 5G conversation uh, in America. And um, it was myself, uh, the CEO of AT&T Business, her name is Ann Chow, an amazing human being. She was at a, a convention center in downtown Dallas, and I was about 20 miles away at AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. And using a 5G connection on both sides, I beamed myself in as a hologram, and we had literally a real-time conversation, Michael, like you and I are having right now, and it was virtually indistinguishable from reality. So this is why latency matters. Um, if you've ever seen or been part of a talking head segment uh, on the news, you'll be accustomed to that delay of kind of a half a second or a, ha a, 
uh, a second where the signal is transmitting itself across the country. And it feels um, a little bit jilted, right? 5G ultra low latency solves for that. It will enable hologrammatic real-time communication. It will enable AR and VR to be used in learning and gaming um, and bringing new employees up to speed as part of guided workflows and remote experts, et cetera. Latency coupled with the other factors of 5G is what will bring these scenarios to life. It's, it's truly incredible. Where is 5G right today relative to providing these the foundation capabilities, and then where are the applications? What I love about the last kind of year and a half, 14, 15 months, is that on a regular cadence, we've been putting out announcements with real businesses in every industry that you can imagine about bringing these sorts of capabilities to life. Um, so the short answer is, you know, 5G is real for business customers today, both in terms of what I think of as B2B, AKA, how do you use 5G to improve the efficiency, the operations of your business for your employees, your internal operations, as well as from a B to B to C perspective, which is how do you use 5G to bring entirely new experiences to life for your end customers? And Michael, this is only the beginning. I'll give you a few real examples of each one of those things. Um, but you know, like everything else, there's no tomorrow without today. You're going to see all of these use cases continue to scale, uh, to emerge, and to become more and more real for more people across America. Uh, and again, like most things, uh, it starts with businesses. They adopt it. Uh, when you think about every single aspect of your life, uh, it is shaped in some way by a business, whether it's you know the clothes you wear, uh, your employer, uh, the entertainment that you consume, the hand sanitizer that you're buying, um, et cetera, et cetera. So all these things start with businesses. Uh, and then as the consumer 5G networks expand, I said a little bit earlier that ours will be nationwide by mid-year. The, the devices come out, we're gonna have 15 5G devices be available later this year. The application ecosystem expands to match that uh, capability, and then more and more consumer use cases come to life. So let's back up and talk about B2B and B2B2C and real 5G right now uh, as it exists. So a, a B2B example, uh, and I'll build on my last uh, answer is Samsung Austin Semiconductor. They're one of the largest manufacturing facilities in the United States, uh, one of the largest semiconductor manufacturers in the world. Um, and they have a very, very interesting setup in Austin. And they were curious on how can we use 5G to really understand what the promise of this technology in terms of the efficacy of our employees' safety, productivity, et cetera. So working with them, we've deployed seven different test proof of concept use cases in Austin. Um, and a couple of examples of that are using AR VR with what we call guided workflow to train new employees. So if you think about manufacturing as an industry, turnover is kind of in the mid-teens, the low 20%. That means one in five workers on average every year are new. And you think about a manufacturing facility, I might have hundreds of unique devices that I need to train them on, either installation or repair. How can I make them more effective faster? 
guided workflow. So using augmented reality, you can literally look through glasses and see a device in front of you, and then you can have a series of instructions that show you how to install a piece of equipment or how to repair that piece of equipment. This is real, they're testing it right now. And then I think my favorite part about this, Michael, is that there's actually a button on the side of the glasses where if the guided workflow has taken you so far and you're stuck, you can hit the button and using a video camera that's built into the glasses, you can call in, phone a friend you know, get a remote expert, they now see what you see and they say, oh, Michael, I see what's going on there, you just need to do X, Y, and Z, you do it, and away you go. That person can be on the other side of the plant, the other side of the country, potentially even the other side of the world. And um, as you think about, again, kind of there's no tomorrow without today, this next 10 years, these sorts of solutions, as they truly come to life, will help us rethink work and the nature of work. Um, can I now be sitting remote, um, you know, very practical as we're sitting here in the middle of the response to COVID and thinking about remote experts can help me, you know, perhaps someone's retired or a part-time worker um, or they're, you know, they're, they're off somewhere for two weeks working remotely and I can still uh, utilize them, I can still access them and, and take advantage of their expertise. Will there be some sort of platform that emerges where people can go in, log their skill sets, and uh, then businesses and companies across America and across the world can ask for expertise as needed on demand? Fundamentally changing the nature of work as we know it. This could emerge as a platform. So that's B2B. Um, I'll tell you another great example out of Austin that, that I'm quite uh, attracted to, which is worker safety. Um, and you know, keeping our workers safe for anyone who's in a service industry is, is, is massively important. It's priority number one. And uh, they built a use case that uses 4K video as a sensor. And you can position it outside of a door. And it's watching your employees walk up. And if they don't have their hard hats on and they're trying to enter a safety a restricted zone, then the doors simply do not open. I mean, to err is human. Um, I used to run a construction and engineering organization, and not out of any sort of intent, but occasionally you simply forget to put on your hard hat or take the appropriate safety measures. And being able to use technology for good to enable and remind workers when they you know, need to put on their hard hat is a great thing and is another thing 5G can enable. So those are B2B, right? How to uh, improve the efficacy of your business. These use cases are real. Uh, businesses across America are starting to deploy 5G cellular solutions inside their business environment. Anyone can do it at any time. And then you start thinking through IoT devices that attach to these 5G solutions and start driving these sorts of use cases. And then the pivot to B to B to C, um, I'll give you a couple of fun examples there. Uh, down the street from where I'm sitting right now is AT&T Stadium. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, as we were going into the 2019 season, reached out on hey, how do we create next generation fan experiences using 5G? We wanna give our fans another reason to come out to the stadium, don't just watch the game from home, come be part of the action. What's something cool that we can come up with together? Uh, and I'll tell you, there was a, a lot of really fun um, ideation that went on around that, and we came up with four use cases. I'll give you an example of one. Um, it's called Pose with the Pros. When you walk into 
uh, AT&T Stadium. On either side, there's these gigantic LED screens set up with cameras built in. This experience is called Pose with the Pros. You stand in front of it, and again, using you know, a high-definition camera, uh, you can select up to five players or cheerleaders that you want to do a virtual pose with. They cluster around you. You stand in the middle. You get a picture, and then you can share that with yourself, text it to your friends, share it on social, uh, and it is truly truly a cool experience. Um, you end up looking like the least realistic uh, player uh, inside of that virtual huddle. And after the first home game, we saw this thing trending on Twitter. It blew up all around the world. 12 million views in a week, the coolest fan experience uh, on the planet. And right after that happened, Michael, I'll tell you, my email, my phone start blowing up and I start getting calls from leagues and teams and venues, not only around the country, but around the world on how can we use 5G to bring similar things to life. When you talk about this combination of uh, speed, ultra-low latency, and massive connectivity, to me, that immediately implies Internet of Things and this new term that we hear, edge computing, which is very important. So tell us about that. We talked a little bit earlier about the cloud. The cloud today is usually hundreds or thousands of miles away from where you are, either as a business or a consumer. And so when you think about 5G and low latency and massive connectivity, one of the key enablers of that low latency is to bring the cloud much closer to where you are. Like you're gonna hear a lot in the coming years about cloud becoming highly distributed and edge computing is just another term that means the cloud. Uh, coming into your major metro where you live, whether that's Dallas or Seattle or New York or LA or Atlanta, or even to the business location itself, as an example, having edge compute at AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play or at Samsung Austin Semiconductor. So that's what edge computing is. It's bringing the cloud closer to you to act as a user plane to enable lower latency experiences. What are the implications of that, again, in terms of uh, business applications or consumer applications? What does that mean? The consumer applications are really driven by businesses that are enabling consumer apps, B2B2C. So if you think about network edge compute, that is bringing the cloud to your major metro, so that instead of being hundreds or thousands of miles away, it's you know one to five to 10 to 15 miles away. When that cloud is closer, that means that the latency inherently gets materially decreased, coupled with 5G, generally will be under 20 milliseconds. So what does this mean for a business? These, this means that, um, let's say a retailer, as an example, can have a series of stores around Dallas or Atlanta or New York or wherever, and they can shift the compute that they have in their stores into the cloud because that cloud is now close enough to their end retail locations where they no longer need the compute there. That means lower cost compute, taking advantage of someone else's capital so that you can think about moving into a monthly reoccurring expense stream model and creating entirely new experiences, right? Back to the, you know, what will 5G drive? So um, as an example, there is a major retailer that we're working with right now, and they're interested in using network edge compute both to create operational efficiencies as well as new customer experiences inside their retail stores. One of the 
operational efficiencies that they're looking at is, you know, today they have uh, literally massive amounts of compute on location tied to video cameras that are being used uh, both as protection, you know, monitoring um, outside of their stores as well as to minimize breakage, shoplifting, et cetera, within their stores. Can I take those video cameras and those feeds and shift uh, the data of that off of the compute in my store to using a network edge compute uh, uh, variation. That's one, driving operational efficiencies. Customer experience. Can I enable some sort of magic mirror where instead of my customers having to go into the changing room to try on 5, 10, 15 different things and the sheer amount of time that that takes, can I stand in front of something similar to Pose with the Pros that uses a big LED screen, a video camera that's part of it, and then seamlessly I can put on a, a jacket or a blouse, a pants, a skirt, etc., and then swiping left and right, I can try on different color pattern combinations, I can make health suggestions on complementary pieces of clothing, whether that's accessories or shoes, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm not a great shopper. Uh, I look forward to this becoming a, a reality so I can go in and take advantage of it myself. And this becomes truly an incredible new customer experience. One, you can try on infinitely more combinations of items of clothing. Two, it uh, makes for a much faster uh, transaction. Three, I don't have to keep as much clothing inside the, the store. I can think about potentially smaller uh, footprints in terms of my retail experience. And then using mobile point of sale devices, I can even drop ship the items to you and have it delivered in 24, uh, 48 uh, hours um, after you're in the store. So these are the sorts of things that we're seeing edge compute will truly enable. That was network. Now let's talk about prem-based. Prem-based is for businesses that truly need incredibly low latency transactions. Um, in the world of sports, uh, sports betting and the emergence of sports betting in more and more states will likely need 5G capabilities, a slice of the network, edge computing to ensure that if thousands or tens of thousands of people are trying to do gamification bets or sports betting, that that traffic is prioritized. It's routed to an edge compute location, sub five milliseconds, so that I can you know, make a call on the next play versus just the entire game. So both variants are gonna be critically important in a 5G world, uh, both for businesses operational efficiencies as well as how they think through creating new experiences. You were just describing these interesting new applications of edge computing. And so presumably then you're working with a variety of different vendors who are in the process of developing these applications and related technologies. Edge Compute and 5G is really an ecosystem play. Uh, we've already made announcements with Microsoft, with Google, with IBM. And it really is gonna require a small number of world-class companies working together to bring the cloud, to bring the network, to bring the development ecosystem, startups, hardware providers, to really make this a reality. We have a very interesting question from Twitter. Arsalan Khan, going back to what you said earlier about uh, uh, working from home and the future of work, he says that culture and trust are the biggest obstacles to people working from home. How do you tackle that at AT&T Business and what advice do you have 
to your customers who are listening to this and saying, well, this is a big culture shift for us? I think they're critical for any business, any leader, when you're thinking about how do you enable remote working. The first one is you still have to have a culture. So the way that you enable culture is collaboration. And one of the, the, you know, the key tactics, if you will, that we encourage on all of our folks, and I do this myself for every single meeting, is no voice-only meetings. You have to use video. It's a very different experience when you can see someone talking to you. Um, frankly, it you know, it, it, it stops you from being distracted by something else going on because you have to be in the ever-present moment. You have to be engaged. You have to have uh, a conversation and be driving, you know, whatever the meeting intent is forward. You know, the, the second thing that I tell you is um, you need moments of personal connection, right? So we encourage everyone, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, of ask you know, at the beginning of the meeting, take a minute and just ask everyone, how are you doing? You know, what did you do this weekend? A little personal conversation. You know, if your kids or your pets get curious and they come into wherever your workspace is, you know, take a moment and introduce your family members to the rest of your team. Getting to know one another personally makes us work better together professionally. So these are some, you know, very simple, you know, tactics. Use video, have personal moments, introduce your family and friends, especially is we're in this moment of social distancing from one another. Having these personal moments is going to be more important than ever. We'll build collaboration, we'll build culture, we'll build trust. It sounds like that cultural dimension that you're just describing is very important to you. It absolutely is. I mean, at the end of the day, all of us um, spend, you know, as much time, if not more time at work and with the people that we work with than we do at homes. And, uh, you know, I, um, I don't know if my wife is watching. She might be, but I will tell you, I love my wife. Um, I have two kids. They're five and nine. I love my children. They are my favorite people to spend time with in the world. And, um, you know, I can't imagine working, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours a day with people if I didn't truly like what I did, if I didn't truly like the people that I work with. And I'm extraordinarily thankful every single day that I get to be part of a culture at AT&T and AT&T Business um, that really, you know, that is mindful of that, that celebrates that and is intentional about how do we create a culture for our people. And for those of us that are, you know, fortunate enough to be leaders of organizations, we have a duty to try and create a culture that people enjoy being a part of. Yes, Michael, thanks. I appreciate you asking that. It is, it's very important to me. How does this desire to create personal connection and develop this type of culture translate into how you think about marketing to businesses and marketing to consumers? When you think about business-to-business -business marketing, it really requires a significant effort in being extremely precise. There's about 15 million businesses across America, business locations, 10 million unique businesses. And when you think about them, there's, you know, there's small businesses, the people that you interact with in your neighborhood, your friends and family and neighbors own them. There are mid-sized businesses, there are large businesses, and as businesses get bigger, their needs get more complex, the decision makers, become more varied, there's influencers, there's final decision makers, and by the way, there's lines of business decision makers, especially as you start talking about things like edge compute and IoT, mobile, fixed collaboration solutions. And so the question becomes, how do you get the right targeted message in front of the right person at the right time? And when you start thinking about it 
in those terms, it's no longer about business to business. It's about business to people, right? And so we're massive advocates um, in my organization of B2P or business to people marketing. And we think about all of our messaging, our storytelling, our campaigns through the lens of how do we tell customer stories that are tied to outcomes, not just making you aware of a product, which isn't frankly very interesting at all, I think. Is there a difference now between business to business and business to consumer? It's kind of all melding together. I think that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about B2C or B2B, if you're taking a B2P or business to people context around that, then it becomes quite similar in terms of your approach. Like it's storytelling, it's human engagement, it's getting people to, to, to love your brand and see it as a relationship versus a transactional product decision. And that's why, you know, one of the things we did a couple of years ago is we actually shifted all of our sales teams, our marketing teams, and even our operations, service delivery, service excellence teams to be industry focused, right? So when you think about business, uh, healthcare companies are quite different than retail that are different than manufacturing. Just think about all the use cases we've talked about over the last 30, 40 minutes. They're in very different places and they're trying to drive different things for their end consumers uh, and stakeholders. And so this shift has allowed us to move away from simply talking about products to being what I think of as trusted advisors. Hey, let's talk about what's going on in your industry. Let's talk about what's going on in your company. What are you trying to solve this year? What are your big problems? And then you have a conversation around how you drive around that. You build your marketing around those items, and then it becomes about driving outcomes. You know, for many companies, their marketing really is, at the end of the day, about pitching yeah. rather than collaborating with that buyer. And so how do you develop the mindset and share it inside AT&T business with your, with your culture for people working there to think about that collaboration with the customer as opposed to just selling stuff? This really goes back to the pivot that we made a couple of years ago. Um, you know, historically, we might have had one of our folks, either in marketing or sales, frankly, that would be with a, um, a retail customer one day and then manufacturing and then healthcare. And it really was a different approach. It was very product-centric, very product-focused at that point in time. By moving to being industry-specific, as well as then from a pure marketing perspective, thinking about um, not any individual product, but a solution, AKA a group of products together that's brought as an outcome deliverer, that is how we've made the transition because then you have to train your people to think that way, right? It's not about a thing, it's about this group of things together. And it's, by the way, you shouldn't even be talking about the products, you should be talking about the outcome, the benefit to your customer, whether they're uh, a neighborhood um, customer, a neighborhood business, or one of the largest companies on the planet. It's a, it's a very interesting transition, it's been, um, it's been foundational to the shift that we've seen and the efficacy of our motion. The, the last comment I'd make on that, Michael, is really about you know, the innovation in marketing, right? And, and how do you think about what the role of marketing is within the organization? And at at and Business, you know, I, I'm very fortunate, I think as a team we're very fortunate, that we've brought together the four Ps, product, 
price, place, promotion into one organization. Because the innovation around marketing isn't just around the storytelling and how you're using social, how you're using TV, how you're using events to weave together a cohesive narrative and using those same elements in how you're arming your sales teams, but it's also the direct correlation to outcomes. We're doing these things uh, to be able to demonstrate and, app, and talk about as a business that this is working to drive that. I find that a lot of marketing organizations, um, and primarily in the B2C space, are removed in terms of their marketing motion from the true outcomes of the business. And when that happens, um, I, I think you know you lose your way as a marketing organization. Um, then it's just about the motion without truly understanding your contribution to the bottom line of your business. You're a technology organization developing some of the most advanced telecommunications technologies in the world. And don't you fall prey to shiny object syndrome a little bit? I know you're focused on the outcomes, but you must fall prey that human... Impulse? Sure, absolutely. Everyone loves uh, a shiny object. I think we're very fortunate in that you know we're we're part of an industry and emotion where we're at the forefront of creating the experiences that shape our society. We were there with LTE about ten years ago. LTE gave rise to the application ecosystem, whether that's you know ride sharing, you know Airbnb, um, virtual learning. You know, all my my children are learning on iPads at a rate that I could never have imagined when I was a child. And uh, in the same way, we're at that moment of the shiny object of 5G's being deployed. We're working with businesses to truly understand how this technology can be used for them. And the way that we focus our teams away from that which is a distraction is, is this going to drive an outcome, back to the last conversation, for our businesses, is this gonna drive an outcome for at and business? Is this something that is repeatable and can scale? at an industry level. If not, set it aside and uh, move on to that which is truly scalable. It creates a simpler customer experience in terms of contracting, operations, billing, You know, being able to lean in if they need help after the sale and the installation. It helps our sellers. It makes it a simpler sale because there's less shiny objects for them to have access to. And then it helps our operations teams manage the business. So you know, every business every now and then has to step back and say, hey, look, it's time for me to do portfolio rationalization, take out products that have not scaled, we're doing that ourselves right now. It's been a key part of what we've been talking about um, in, in the market more broadly. But at the same time, we're here to serve our customers and bring them solutions that drive outcomes for them. And it's a privilege. And it sounds like you're very disciplined in terms of your, your approach and focus, keeping those outcomes front and center. Four Ps, top line and bottom line of the business, while also um, ensuring that we're meeting our customers' needs. Mo Kadaba, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. It's been a very interesting and fast-moving conversation. Michael, always enjoy being with you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Mo Kadaba. He is the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of AT&T Business. Now, before you go, please, please subscribe on YouTube and hit the subscribe button at the top of our website so we can send you our most excellent newsletter. 
Thanks so much for watching, everybody. I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.